Somebody say something. Hello. How's that? That must be Eric. That is me. That's a very uh, official media voice you've got there. Hi, and welcome to our podcast. My name is Olivia Stelic. I'm a junior studying elementary education, and we are all students of Kara Anthony and Thomas Hickson at the University of St. Thomas studying theology. And I'm Eric Nelson. I'm a senior majoring in business administration and minoring in Spanish. And I'm Megan McKay, a senior at St. Thomas studying criminal justice and French. So some of the goals of our project is we were asked to find a research topic that focused on sustainability and can be linked to Catholic social teaching principles. We chose farmers markets because it is a topic that we all wanted to learn more about. We have a couple of specific goals for our podcast. First, we are hoping to provide more information for people in the Twin Cities, especially the St. Paul community, about farmers markets, as well as giving people information on why it can be a more sustainable or environmentally friendly choice to shop at a farmers market. We also want to help show people the value in knowing where your food comes from and how it's made. And ultimately, our goal is to encourage more people to shop at a farmer's market. Now note that we are talking specifically about the St. Paul Farmer's Market. This is where most of our information comes from, but the themes can generally be applied to most markets. Some of our science data comes from other states or nations, but can be applied on our local level. First, we're going to start with some historical or background information about farmers markets. Next, we'll touch on social implications that relate to the community. And finally, we'll wrap up by talking about some scientific studies uh, that talk about why Farmers markets work in a more sustainable way than a traditional grocery store, and we'll also cover social justice issues that relate to them and our proposed policy solutions to help these issues. Some special guests you'll be hearing from on this podcast include Lucas Capper from Capper's Big Red Barn. We spoke to him talking about dairy producing methods and also being non-GMO certified. We also talked about the Hmong Farmers Association and its importance in the farmer's market community. You'll also hear from Mike Hazard, who we talked with about the social aspects of farmer's markets and how it allows Hmong farmers in particular to participate. Finally, we have Angela Rauschar, Program Manager at the St. Paul Farmer's Market, to learn more about their Market Brooks program. First, we'll give a little history and background information on farmers markets. Farmers markets themselves have been around for hundreds of years, and in the Twin Cities specifically, they've been established for over 100 years. The first recorded one was in 1852, and now they've grown to have 29 markets in Minneapolis alone that hosts more than 800 vendors. Their design is meant to provide communities with a place to exchange goods. In Minnesota, they are most functional in the summers because of our weather, meaning the goods tend to be seasonal. This gives an extra bonus because eating a seasonal and local diet has been found to be better for your health. Socially, farmers markets are good. They support the local economy through the money spent at the St. Paul market systems, where money directly goes to the farms with no middleman. 
Farmers then get full value and profit for their goods, and the city of St. Paul gets the value of the market fees for spots and supplies. Smaller scale farms are given a chance to both sell products and develop their community connections. This brings in revenue to the farm as well as developing customers who will keep coming back. I know different farmers markets by the farmers that I know will be there. So if I go to the Mill City market, I'll look for Monpai, who was the first organic Hmong farmer in, in Minnesota. And if I go to the Northeast uh, farmer's market, where I, which is the closest one to where I live now, um, I will go looking for Nang and uh, Tang and their kids, all of whom I've been watching grow up over these years. As we just heard from Mike, one of the biggest benefits of shopping at the markets is that it gives consumers a chance to interact with the farmers and build knowledge about their process. Not only is there a social relationship that's built, there's an education about the work that goes into the food that the customers are eating. This idea connects to our interview with Mike, where we learned about his friendship he has built over the years with the Hmong farmers. He has even been invited to their farms to learn about them and see what they do. Um, we could not go to photograph without coming home with a trunk load of, of gifts yeah. from, the, from the field. And when I served dinner or, uh, you know, brought dinner to the table, um, I would say, here are the Brussels sprouts from Chow, the uh, dragon beans from Mai, the uh, uh, watermelon that uh, uh, Van gave us, um, the green beans that uh, Wang Jur gave us. You see that the food became associated with a farmer, a human being, mm -hmm. a yeah. person. And right. Wow, I mean, it just makes your food taste better. Throughout our interview with Angela, we talked about how the market can create a tight-knit community, including the farmers, the workers, and the consumers all together. There is a lack of awareness connected to the EBT and WIC systems at the St. Paul Farmers Market. They use a system called Market Bucks, where users of EBT are given a balance to use throughout the market on products and goods that are available that week. So here's what science has to say about the benefits of farmers markets over a traditional grocery store. Produce travels on average 1,500 miles from its point of origin to reach a traditional supermarket. This produces a huge amount of carbon emissions. It is estimated that our current food system requires 10 kcal of fossil fuel per 1 kcal of food. That means that every 10,000 calories of energy is being consumed to produce 1,000 calories of food. The study we found discussed the average distance traveled for each type of food to the terminal market versus the Ferry Plaza Farmer's Market in Chicago. This study stated that apples traveled 1,555 miles to the grocery store versus the 77 miles to the farmer's market. Lettuce had to travel 2,055 miles versus 102 miles, and grapes traveled 2,143 miles to the terminal market, versus 134 to the Ferry Plaza Farmer's Market. This connects to all other produce, as well as big name companies, as you can see in our conversation with Capper's Big Red Barn. They don't like the dairy industry. They're big against the dairy industry. 
Right. Um, really big on like they want companies to release their carbon footprint and put it on the package and all this and that. Which again goes back to like that's great, but you know if you're a little company, you're not going to have the money to rebrand your package. To do yeah. that. Um, that's what we always talk about is that they ship their milk all over the world. You know their oat milk from from wherever they produce it, and now they're just going to make facilities all over the world and the kind of footprint that leaves and nobody even thinks yeah. about that leaves that takes all sorts of people from all over the places to do that being registered as certified organic or non-gmo is a very difficult process not only do the cows have to be non-gmo not using growth hormones like rbst but so does their feed non-gmo corn is difficult to grow it would be expensive with less yield and grow less reliably better for us to purchase gmo corn um, where we're located than to try to source non-gmo corn because it's not really available. Um, so like we personally can't grow corn that's non-GMO with the fields we have. There's too much flooding or a drought or something like that. It's not resilient enough to grow. Um, so we'd waste a lot of energy and time trying to grow it and yielding little. It just isn't worth it for a small producer to use non-GMO corn. It would have to be shipped from far away versus being grown in their fields. In this case, non-GMO corn would be less sustainable. The first Catholic social teaching principle we identified is the preferential option for the poor, which means making decisions with the less fortunate as the main focus. An example of this is that impoverished farmers have a place to sell their goods and promote their name. The market also offers programs for EBT and WIC users to make their allowances more effective. We feel that EBT values should go further at markets. EBT allowances go further at some markets, like the St. Paul Farmers Market. Our policy proposal is that EBT allowances should be more effective at every market. This would allow those in need to be able to feed themselves and their family better while also encouraging attendance to farmers markets. We talked to Angela, the program manager at the St. Paul Farmers Markets, about the issue with the current EBT programs that are in place. Angela stated that people aren't taking advantage of this EBT program, and this is why we feel policy action is necessary. Yeah, I don't really think so. I don't think that it's hugely advertised or known. It's more a word of mouth, I feel like, almost. Um, I will say the people who do know about it definitely take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. They come to, like, every market they can. Um, so we have, like, our regulars. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I don't feel like it's widely known. And I sort of feel that way about farmer's markets, too. It's one of those things that, like, people will know about it by, like, going or their friends going more, I feel like. This also supports the Catholic social teaching principle of the positive role of government, as they are the entity that is responsible for implementing EBT programs that the markets can then expand on. A final CST principle that we connected to our project was the common good. The idea of the sum total of social conditions which allow people, either as a group or as individuals, to reach their fulfillment. We connected this to the project in three different ways. Local economy boost that comes directly from the market's productivity, the encouragement of a healthy diet given to the community surrounding the market, and the market also provides better quality food for less for those in the community. A good example of this is Capra's Big Red Barn, where lower price doesn't always mean lower quality. But as far as like a price level goes, um... A lot of the times, if you go in the right time of the year, you find, you know, much better produce at a cheaper price. Right. Uh, produce is like the big, the big one to point out because I mean, the produce there is incredible and it was just picked yesterday and it's 
usually it's cheaper or the same price that a supermarket can offer it at. Right. Um, so on that level, produce is great. Um, things like meat tend to be a little bit more expensive. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. But even, you know, if you're at a lower income level, the customer base that goes there to buy that stuff really respects the fact that it's a nicer product and they're willing to pay more mm -hmm. for it even if they have less to pay for it. Throughout the podcast, we have shown that farmers markets developed through local good intentions historically, cause positive action in the communities surrounding them, and are supported by science, specifically looking at how far food has to travel. We think policy action encouraging the use of EBT and WIC programs through greater allowances at farmers markets is necessary not only to ensure those who qualify for these programs are taking advantage of them, but also to encourage attendance to farmer's markets, a more sustainable way of shopping. So next time you get in your car to go to Comfort Groceries, consider going to a farmer's market instead.